going to be speaking about Elisha again. Spoke about Elisha twice already. The first week we spoke about the importance of burning plows, about getting things out of the way that stand between you and what God has for you. We spoke about digging ditches and the fact that even when you don't see what is happening, you need to plan for God's blessing. Dina spoke about ministry being the thing that is right in front of you. And this week I'm going to go back to Elisha. But before I do, for many of us who have been around church before, you have heard the Bible stories, you can finish them. You know which scriptures would apply if someone's going through something. But there are times when your faith and your life and everything that goes on can intersect and it can leave you feeling overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like you don't have enough time, energy, or faith? You may be in this room and you may have just gotten a $1,400 check deposited into your account, but you're looking at that and you're thinking, that's a drop in the bucket. I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm sinking. I'm overwhelmed. There may be someone here in trying to make ends meet is working two jobs and has a side hustle, and the best you can do is feel exhausted and you feel overwhelmed. There may be young people in our church family who are feeling torn. They may be in breaking or broken homes. And they live life on this emotional tightrope because they feel that whatever they do, that they're not honoring their mom or their dad or being what's needed in that family. At that time, kids can feel overwhelmed. If we're honest, if you feel overwhelmed for too long, it can leave you feeling empty. There was a modern-day psalmist. His name was Jackson Brown, and he wrote a song called Running On Empty. And there are times that that resonates. I'm going to start today with this scripture. It's out of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to be speaking out of verses 1 through 7. I'm going to right now read the first two verses out of the New King James. It says, A certain woman... Of the wives of the prophets, she calls out to Elisha and she said, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the household but a jar of oil. So when we dig into this, it should be noted that we don't know what this lady's name is. There are Bible scholars who have looked at this, and some say this could be the widow of the prophet Obadiah. If it is the widow of this prophet, Obadiah was known for taking care of other prophets. And so he would protect them. His finances would go to support them. And during this time, a prophet was not a person who was known for having a lot of money. They were known for being on the run when they would deliver the word of God and someone would want their head. But it was not something where they would have a lot of money. So if there was a word to describe the prophet that was her husband, it would be poor. Now here she is, the widow of a poor man. A snapshot of this woman. She was devastated. She had just lost her husband. She is facing a creditor that she knows she cannot repay And there is an absolute certainty that her sons are going to be taken as slaves to repay that debt. Hope? Doesn't look like it right now. 
And this is where my heart's been lately. When I have times that I am looking at all of the problems that I have, you know what God's been doing? He has put someone in my path that has four times as many problems and three times as good of attitude. And he's doing it on purpose. If you have children, we use this term in my house a lot. It's called first world problems. Examples of first world problems. Let's see this. I think there's a slide for him. Yeah. Here's an example. I had to park so far away from Outback Steakhouse. My iPhone 9 XL Plus, MIP, AOK, whatever, like it only has a 27 megapixel camera and I need the 28. Right? First world pains. But really, like we can get in a place where, but on the other side of that, sitting in this very room, there are some with very real problems. Your relationship or your marriage, it may look like a garbage truck that has tipped over. You may have a child who was raised in church but has seemingly turned their back and run the other way from God. You may be sitting in a place right now where you have felt betrayed and you don't know what to do with it. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, especially this is your first time, wow, this is the most encouraging message I've ever heard. But I said all that to say this. When you don't have what you really want, you will discover that God is what you really need. Back to this widow. She's in a place of deep need. She goes to Elisha and she tells him what's going on. And do you know what he does? Let's flip that. What doesn't he do? Do you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't distance himself from her. He doesn't make her feel foolish for sharing her heart. He doesn't minimize the situation. He doesn't patronize her. He doesn't keep going about his day. He pauses right there. If God whispers anything to your heart today, it is find the pause button. Find it. And the words in verse 2, here's what he does. He makes himself available and he utters these words. What shall I do for you? Do you want to bring the hope of heaven down to ground level as a church family? Do you know how you do that? You do that by speaking these words. How can I help you? How can I help you? It can be the toughest thing to say because when we're in an uncomfortable situation, we want to run. As a man of God, as a woman of God, we pray that things will change. And God is saying, be a part of that change. Be that light in the dark place I called you to. Start every day with this idea, this realization that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ on this earth. And then take it to another level and act as if you are the only one on this earth that day. So if the world's going to find out about Jesus, you're the only one that may tell them that day. If you get that mindset, you will go out of your way to make him famous. How can I help you doesn't mean how can I make it all better. What it means is I want to be present in Jesus Christ in this moment to direct you toward a God who does have the answers that I don't. How will it come at you? What will that look like? 
It'll look like this. It'll look like when you have just had a great weekend away with your spouse and you come into work and you're standing at the water cooler and you're beaming because you had such a beautiful weekend and someone you're talking to, they're like, my marriage is on the rocks and we're about to split. And the bubbles in the tank are like bloop, bloop. And you can either run or you can turn and be bold enough to say, how can I help you? But I'm not a professional marriage counselor. Nope. Neither was Jesus. You may come into a situation where you say, wow, you know, I feel so refreshed. I just, I've been working out lately and I have more energy. And you'll talk to someone and say, I'm so stressed out, I'm about to crack. The words, how can I help you? Jesus will fill that void and he will be there in that moment because the way that Jesus ministered was really profound. Do you know what he did? He made himself available. When a situation came up, he stepped into that. So Elisha's response, it was on her level. He wasn't looking down at her. He was speaking to her in dignity. And he asks a question. Well, he makes a statement, but it's kind of a question because it needs an answer. Tell me what is in your house. He doesn't say, behold, I have all the answers. Just watch what happens. He follows suit the way that Jesus does, and he's like, where are we right now? And when you get honest with Jesus, that's what he's going to ask you in the moment. Where are you right now? Oh, you got that pile of regret from the past. Where are we right now? Because that's how you start going forward in him. And so her reply was this. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. When we get into a place and we start to hurt, do you know what we do? We can look at what we don't have rather than what we have. When we do this, we begin to miss all the blessings that surround us, that are right in front of us. We can sit and we can say, if I had more money, I would be able to bless people more. I'm telling you what, it doesn't take much to buy somebody's coffee in the morning, and it will set their day in a different direction. I guarantee it. You may say, if only I had the perfect spouse. Men, there is a floral department in every drug mart and giant eagle in the state of Ohio. Carnations, it's a thought that counts. I mean, if they got carnations, you roll. You may say to yourself, if I had the perfect home to have broken people over to minister to them, but it's so small. I'll tell you what, you bust out the lawn chair and sit there in love in your living room with someone, and I guarantee they will feel Jesus. We can get to a place to say, I don't have what I want, so what's the use in trying? It's almost like a teenager standing in front of a closet full of Hollister clothing and saying, but I have nothing to wear. When we're in need, we can focus on what we don't have. So this widow, she had lost everything. She could only see through a filter of lack at the moment. And what do you do when you don't have much? Do you know what you do? You stop waiting and you start working with what you have. And the same Jesus that hung on that cross, that had that communion that we just partook of earlier, would say, oh, it may look impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. So Elisha 
asking this question, what do you have in your house? She says, I have nothing at all except this word. Do you know what's going to change the course of your walk? It's looking for that word in the middle of darkness. There is always an except. I have nothing except a small jar of olive oil. Whole house is empty, but all she has is that. And you would say, well, that is nice, but what are you going to do with that? Well, faith will always look for the word except because here's some uses for olive oil back then. It could be used for cooking. It could be used to light lamps. It could be used to keep leather soft. It could be used to keep metal from rusting. It could be used as a moisturizer in a dry, arid environment. It could be used to offer to God. It could be used in ceremony to anoint for God. We serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. When Jesus had taught those people all day long and they were all over the place. And at the end of the day, the disciples are looking around. They're like, who's going to feed these people? And they're like, I don't know. Who's going to feed them? And through the crowd, can you just see the little boy coming up with his little lunch pail? With a heart that says, I don't have a lot, but I have a little and handing it over. Can you picture that valley where this Philistine mountain of a man has been barking at the children of God for days, for weeks, and he's barking, and men of war are standing there silent in fear. And here comes a shepherd boy on a cheese run. And where everyone else is looking around, and can you just see the men? You know, when guys, I'm just going to rip on us for a minute, when we get uncomfortable, we look down at our feet. Can you see all the men, the strong men looking down? And you know what they saw? They saw dirt and rocks. Well, somebody needs the shepherd boy in them to roll up and to see. That looked like ammunition to David. Where the enemy might say, don't you see how big I am in this moment? The shepherd boy in you says, you're too big to miss. Going forward, you may feel like your faith tank is almost empty. You may feel like you're riding with the gaslight on in some ways. You may think you're looking, you're saying, but I only have, but I only have. Well, isn't it weird that Jesus would say, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, like he's comparing it to a mountain. He's literally saying faith like the grain of a mustard seed will pick that thing up and make a splash zone. Get that kind of faith, get a hold of that kind of faith. So here's a question for everyone sitting in here. What do you have in your house? That's all she had. What is your accept? So if you're facing a mountain of problems, what is your accept? Find it in this moment. We can get into a faith-stunting habit of saying, God, why don't you give me what I need? Why don't you give me what I need? There is a pastor, which I've spoken about a couple of times, that his ministry began in a two-car garage, and it grew a little bit, and it grew to the point where they had to rent an elementary school cafeteria, and they did that for a while, and then it grew a little more, and they had to rent this old bicycle factory, 
And they got the bicycle factory, and then they got to this place where they're like, you know what? We're going to build. And so they built, and they built a 600-person auditorium. And pretty soon, it got full. And as it was getting full, there was frustration amongst the leadership, and they would think, God, why don't you give us what we need? Like, you see, you see the harvest coming. Why don't you give us what we need to do what we need to do? It's a familiar thing we can say in church. We don't do this because we don't have that. Faith steps out and says, I can do this because despite what I don't have, I can go forward in Jesus Christ. It looks at the situation and it will confound people because it won't make sense. So their service, it grew, and they start having two services, three services, four services. They start having multiple locations to have lower costs, but to reach more people. Do a lot with what little you have. Do not die spiritually. Do not die physically with these God dreams inside of you that he has put. Do not let them die. But start doing now. When Dina said that last week, the important assignment is in front of you. The important assignment looked like broccoli cheddar soup, if you remember. It was in front of her. The other things will work themselves out. God knew exactly what you would need to carry out the plan. He knew it. Someone around here, you walk around feeling terrible because you say, I can't give my kids the life that they deserve, my family the life that they deserve. And what's wild about that is that it's causing you to miss life. You're so focused on what you don't have, it's causing you to miss life. And days are turning into weeks and weeks into months, and it's passing you by. And the Mother Teresa quote on our wall says this, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. You are building an army. God has entrusted you. Look at what can be instead of what was. Look at what can be instead of what you don't have. Look at what can be despite the noise. Look at what can be. Faith offers to God what we have, and then it trusts God to give us what we need. It offers to God what we have. Elisha, after hearing her say, accept a small jar of olive oil, he says this to her, and this is wild. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. I'm going to get real for a moment. There are times in faith that you have kept your mouth shut because it may be insensitive to speak hope into a situation that looks hopeless. People would say, who does Elisha think he is? This was a woman who had just lost her husband. She's going through something. She could lose her sons. He's going to embarrass her. Now he's telling her who's in need to go get pots and pans from neighbors. That is the most insensitive thing you can do. And I am telling you, there are times that God is calling you to step up beyond where other people may step. And there are times that you're going to speak in faith and in hope and you're going to get those sideways glances from people like, what are you doing? And you know that you know that you're speaking the heart of Jesus Christ and you keep speaking it. 
So Elisha, after hearing that, go and get the jars. So the first week, burn the plows. The second week, dig the ditches. The third, here, collect the jars. He says, go get some empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into the jars. And as each one is filled, put it to the side. And again, why are you trying to embarrass her? She only has a small jar of oil. You're just trying to make her feel worse? The miraculous will begin to flow in a manner that you cannot even imagine when you allow God to take control. When you look at that thing that's in your hand that you didn't know what to do with, the only thing you may have left but begin using it for him. So looking forward at where God's going to take this, he wants you to begin to make room. Malachi 3.10, prove me now, says the Lord. Now, in this moment, prove me. You may feel like Joseph and you may feel like you're a dreamer and God's saying, build the barns, the blessing is coming, and you don't have time to look and see whether it makes sense. You need to start building the barn. What's beautiful about this is it says, go ask your neighbors. And here's a challenge to us, because I feel like sometimes we can be these secret agents of faith. Like we can believe God for big things, but we don't want to speak it out because we don't want too many people knowing what we're praying for in case it doesn't happen. But don't you think all those neighbors, like, what are you wanting to borrow a peanut butter jar for me? Why do you need those milk jugs? What's going on? God is looking to speak to someone who does not know him. And it may be through the weirdest things that he calls you to do as it involves others. Be obedient. Be obedient. Even when the request seems ridiculous, even when the ending can only be written by the hand of God himself, obey. It says in verse 5, she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons. That's important because we right now are in a place and someone needs to shut the door. There has been noise, there has been distraction, there have been all these things that have kept you being in the spot where God wants you to be and you need to shut the door and shut out the noise. And it says that her boys brought jars to her and they kept bringing them and she kept pouring. And the picture in my head, being a child, I was born in 1972 and so happy days, Laverne and Shirley, these were big things to me. And I kind of view it in like Laverne and Shirley faith. You ever see Laverne and Shirley? They worked at the bottling company, like Shlemiel, Shlamazo, Haas and Pfeffer Corporation, you know, when they were there. I picture this widow, it says in the Bible that she poured. So she takes the jar and she pours it. The Bible doesn't say she would pour it and then she would pick it up. She would pour No, it doesn't. It says that she poured it. And her boys were just like that Haas and Pfeffer Corporation line. I mean, the bottles just kept coming. And as they kept coming, she kept pouring. That's how we need to get in faith. Not like, oh, Lord, is there going to be a... Because I don't want to pull this up and interrupt what God is doing. I don't want to interrupt what he's doing because he controls the flow. And here, at a certain point, she says, the boys, all the jars are full. Bring me another one. But there was no jar left. God allowed it to keep flowing until there were no jars left. As long as there's an empty jar, God's going to keep pouring it out. And you may ask yourself today in the situation that you're in, well, how many jars should I collect? All of them. All of them. But that's ridiculous. Yes, it is. Because if faith doesn't feel ridiculous, is it really faith? Really. 
And then Elisha says to her, go and sell the oil in those jars to pay that debt. And you know what I hear? I hear the words, your debt has been paid. And whoever I spoke to earlier, when it comes to your child who has walked away from God, check this out. It goes on farther. So her debt was paid, and the debt was going to take those kids into slavery. Your children were not born to be slaves. And there are blessings that are going to flow that God is going to pour out that will not only provide for what you need, but it's going to break the chains and avoid the chains. It's going to take them out of pits, and it's going to take them out of places that you humanly cannot. That's the God that we serve. And you might say, I don't know how that would happen. You know what? I don't either, but I don't know how that little jar of oil filled up all those other ones. God does. So the church I talked about started in this two-car garage. They continue to grow and grow and grow. But here was a problem. They were going paycheck to paycheck. Being faithful, but like, Financially, they didn't have it together where they needed it to be. And so they had an idea one day. They looked at their creative team and they're like, wow, we have really cool graphics. We have a lot of cool things going on. We could sell these things as resources to other churches and we could have the money to do what God wants us to do. Like, yeah. And then God whispers. You know what he says? Give it away. Give all the resources away. Millions of dollars of resources. Give them away. But God, I mean, didn't you hear the paycheck to paycheck thing? Well, they did that. And at that point, that ministry went to a place that the enemy couldn't catch it anymore. It went to a place where they were blessing even when it didn't make sense. And they began to thrive in ways that they never saw coming. That's what God is calling us to do and where he's calling us to go. When God told the widow, when those words were spoken, go get a bunch of jars, notice he didn't say jars of a certain size, jars of a certain color, jars of a certain shape. There was one requirement that it was empty. Dump out the Yeti cup, get the oleo container, whatever it is, get it rolling because it's going to be filled. Stop looking around for the finest china for God to fill. It's going to be messy at times. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure, which is Jesus Christ. We keep it in these jars of clay. I'm a jar of clay. You're a jar of clay. There is nothing about you or I within ourselves that merits this. It is the grace of Jesus Christ. He's looking for empty jars. The Marines were looking for a few good men, and God's looking for a few good men and women with empty jars. There's a weird picture that God put in my head. I'll share it with you in a moment. You know, don't put that picture up yet. I'll tell them the thing first. So the Kennedy family, they had their retreat, their compound at Kenny Bunkport. The British royals, they have Balmoral Castle. That's like where they go and wear kilts and hunt things. So everybody has an escape. Give me that next slide. My family... We had camp, ocean, forest at Bogue Inlet, Emerald Isle, North Carolina. And it was just like tents and pop-up campers. It was pretty regal. 
And here's a thing, though. At 5.30 in the morning, most mornings when we would be there, the garbage truck man would come to get the dumpster, which was like from me to Bethany from our camper. And he was a very dedicated garbage man. If there was a tissue stuck up in the bottom of that dumpster, he would shake that thing and rattle it around till it came out. It was bad. <laughs> but that picture is in my head because I need to share this with you. And this is what's weird about me is I can go from total chaos to like a straight thought really quickly like this. God is saying to someone in this house that the shaking that you have been experiencing was not to wreck you during that season. It was to get the things out that you couldn't get out on your own. It was saying that the things, the school of hard knocks that you felt like was going to destroy you was preparing that empty place for him to pour something in that could not have had room any other way. James Bond always says, shaken, not stirred. But maybe you have been shaken so that God could go deeper when he stirs this time. Because the Holy Spirit that is within you is going to begin prompting you to do new and greater things. Doing scarier and out of your comfort zone things. Doing things that are going to defy who you used to be or who you think you may be. And it's going to take you into God places. What was that sticking to the bottom? That dumpster of my life? Was it pride? Was it a piece of agenda? I don't know, but I'm glad that he shook me. I need to do something here to end this because someone here feels empty. And you say, when I feel empty, here's the words I would use to describe myself. I would use words like weak, hurt, lost, hungry, thirsty, unstable. When Jesus Christ sees someone who's empty feeling that way, do you know what he whispers? My strength's made perfect in your weakness. He says, when you're hurt, I'm the great physician. He said, when you're lost, can you hear the 99 in the background as I come running for you? When you're hungry, he reminds you that he's the bread of life. When you're thirsty, he reminds you that if you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. When you're feeling unstable, he reminds you that he is the rock. And I felt like God was rattling me yesterday and said, see it my way. Like, what do you mean, God? Jason, Jason had a great idea. We're going to go with that, Jason. I'm very thankful for our usher crew because they are very patient and they never know what may happen because I don't. So here's what I'm thinking. Got me this step stool that no one should ever attempt to step on because it's unsafe. Oh, check this out. So here's how we see it. You got this little mason jar there sitting on a saucer because I'm from Leroy. And here's how it can work. We can be in need and we want God to show up 
We want God to, just, that's all I need right now, God. Get me by, just a swig. And here's what's weird is we get all uncomfortable when God's like, you know, he shows up in a way and we're like, whoa, God, whoa, whoa, whoa. God, you're, whoa, God, whoa, whoa. And it's like, oh, it's like, like God, what's going on? What, what? And as it's filling up, here's the thing. We're all uncomfortable, right? Because we're embarrassed. I mean, come on, look at the mess we're making. But then he says in that moment, check this out. He's like, you want to make a mark on the world, right? You always say you want to make a mark on the world. You want to be a witness for me in this world. Well, how about this for witness? When it comes to this whole thing that I just did right here, you know where it overflowed, where it was kind of messy? This right here is going to be where your witness is. Right here, right in that saucer, everything that flowed over that was messy and didn't go with how you thought it would be. Now check this out. Now watch when I pour it. Look at all these gallons. Not really. But that's exactly what someone needs to see. This part, you know where we didn't like it because it was getting on the outside of the glass, making my mason jar slippery. Can't drink my sweet tea. This here on the outside of it, those droplets, that's your witness. That's what the world's going to see. And when you walk in the room, and when they see that, they're going to say, that one's been with Jesus. I feel that. Whoa, the atmosphere changed when that one walked in the room because they're not your average bear. But see this part right here inside? That's for you. That's for you. And I say that because there's times where it may be the most selfish thing to ask God to give you what you need in your daily bread. But in that moment, know that you cannot have the overflow unless you are filled. You can't have the overflow unless you have inside what you need to be inside. But here's what's crazy is that, oh man, see how I did that? Because like, what am I? I'm like five feet tall, right? So I got this little two foot step stool, right? Because this is how I see it. And I'm like, this is, this is God's level and this is, Right? And then God rocks me, and he's like, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? So check this out. Yeah, Jason has a great idea. Bring that, Jason. It's good. Is our insurance paid up? All right. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. So here's kind of the God thing. God's saying, see it from my perspective. See it from my perspective. See it like up here. Like you're down here and you're like, God, I just need a little swig. Just a swig. And God's like, I can see all this. You're going to need more than just a swig where I'm taking you, right? And so then he's got this. And I came up the wrong side of the ladder. And God is like, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. This is how it's going to be. And it's going to hit. And there's going to be times when it's totally messy. And there's going to be times when it doesn't make sense. And there's going to be times when God's going to pour and you're not ready for it. And you're not ready for what's coming. And there may be more in the saucer than you feel like's getting in the cup. But it's part of the plan. It's part of the plan in that moment. Stop worrying about what God's going to do and how he's going to do it. Because what we need to worry about is just making sure that this is empty and it's able to be filled. We need to make sure that this is in a place where God can see it. Get as many as you can. Stop thinking small. 
Stop thinking that it has ended here. Start looking for what's inside here because again, you're gonna walk out of here and someone's gonna be looking for this. And this is what it's about. That's what brings them into the kingdom. My challenge to you is this. Get a tarp. Get a tarp. You're going to need it. But what's even wilder about this is God whispered something to me and reminded me of something. I said this week to Tim, these words. I am praying that the carpet in front of this altar remains wet with the tears of those who are coming to know Jesus Christ for the first time. With the tears of prodigals. And I pray that it is soaked from that baptistry remaining full because we are celebrating new life in Jesus Christ on a weekly basis. And you may look around right now around you and you may say, he's kind of crazy because look what he's talking about and look at all the empty seats we have in the house today. And you know what I would say? I don't see seats, I see jars. And God is saying to every one of us, it's time for us to get over ourselves so that we can reach a harvest, that we can get past what we prefer or how we feel about a certain thing or this or that, and we see the harvest and we say, I have a family and you would fit right in. I have a family and you would fit right in. And we start reaching out in a way that we never have before because it's coming, church. And there ain't gonna be a tarp and it's gonna stay wet. And that's all good. If you'll stand, we're going to pray. That was a good idea, Jason. We're going to pray. After we do, if you are a prayer elder, please come forward. If you are here and you would like special prayer, as the worship team plays out, we would love to pray with you. If you do not know Jesus Christ, I'd love to introduce you. It'd be my honor. We will be up here. They'll play us out. And then our usher team will dismiss people from front to back. The giving boxes are in the back. Be faithful. Thank you for being with us today, and let's pray. God, right now in this moment, I pray that you would just remind us that it's not up to us, Lord, to provide that oil. It, it's you. It's up to us to be in position to catch the blessing that you're going to pour out. It's up to us to be faithful and obedient. And Lord, even when it's scary right now, I pray to every single person in here, courage and shake us up. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name's above every name. Amen.